Find your weed, everyone. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Good morning, everybody. It's the Morning Show. I'm Mark. And I'm Nicole. I'm going to be more specific. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Yes. Because it was just the Morning Show. Do you have like eyeshadow on or something? No, I don't know. My eyes are puffy. You're doing a little something? I was crying yesterday. I cried a lot yesterday, okay? I'm faking being happy so I can try to be happy. Um, We have a long-standing tradition in this house of uh, making Nicole cry on her birthday. Uh, It started last year in San Diego. When the kids Might as well were being, continue to, the tradition. The kids were just being absolute monsters when we were on the beach. The beach that Nicole and I got engaged yeah. on, right? Yes, so it was yes, like yes. just one of those <laughs> things we wanted to do. But the kids were there, and it was uh, miserable. So yesterday yeah. was Nicole's birthday. So Yay, happy birthday. Thank you. And I know it wasn't, you know, I didn't do as good of a job no, on right. yours as you I did didn't expect you to. <laughs> well, as long as the expectations are accurate, <laughs> I'm okay with that. And then, uh, yeah, it just got to be one of those things that, you know, I'm sure you guys are going through this too. We're not it's not the like ones. there's any particular great hardship that we're enduring. No, we're but very there, fortunate. But there's a lot of tension and mm-hmm. it's just slowly building and building and building to the point it's where been, everyone's fuse is really, really short. Yeah, it's a month and a half of just getting every day, mm-hmm. school, work. I got food, so much food <laughs> every day. Three times a day, plus snacks. And then you got food, laundry. Dishes, laundry. You guys know what we're talking about. Well, yesterday, uh, Mateo was so focused on playing his yeah. his game. Well, it was a big deal because yesterday, on uh, <clears throat> my son plays Fortnite. Yeah, there was a, a live and there community was an event. there was an amazing concert. concert event, and it was a big deal. And yeah, he's I, all jazzed about it. He was really excited about it, and I get it. So. Well, he, he went to, to try to play the game while we were singing Happy Birthday. <laughs> Yeah. And I gave him... Uh, you gave him the what for? I gave him a load of dad guilt. Yes, Is what did. I did. I said, I'm disappointed. And then Ava got mad at you. Well, he does this thing. Have you guys ever done this with your kids where they're like, they just give you that look and you just see it transition to the cry and he just goes... <laughs> and then he runs away and then Ava's like, you're mean to my brother. I was like, oh. And then Nicole cries. So I'm like... Uh, well, I was on the verge all day. <laughs> I was on the verge all day. All right, enough family stuff. Yeah, so it's a mess. We're just keeping it real here. Yeah, you, know? you guys, you guys know how we're it gonna is. We're going to talk some woodworking and like uh, someone just said in the chat room, John, fake it till you make it. And yeah, that's, exactly that's what we're doing. That is what we're doing. What we're doing. There'll probably be a kid that needs something. Oh, I'm sure. Wipe my butt. <laughs> Can you change my butt? Change my butt. Okay, so uh, we have a couple of questions. Lots of questions, actually. Yes, we have lots of questions. Today I had so many questions, I don't think I'm going to get to them all, and I had to take a few out. That's Um, all right. So Nicole's going to grab some questions from the live YouTube chat room, Uh, but most of these have come from uh, Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodwhisperer if you want to help out the Mm -hmm. cause and uh, join join the club of people who Mm -hmm. uh, like to hear stories about annoying kids. I did get uh, some Joanne gift cards. uh, Oh, really? from your mom, uh, another from a friend. Mm. So I'm doing a little Joanne's fabric shopping right now. Good for you. Good for you. All right. So I wanted to show you guys this. I've talked about this before, uh, but since I've been working um, a lot with uh, just a dusty situation, doing a lot of sanding toward the end of this um, big green egg table build, just a lot of surface prep. So there's tons of dust. I don't like having an open coffee mug in the shop, so I've been using my Zoji Rushi. Mm-hmm. This thing is, that, is it that one? They might. They may have a new model. They have a bunch of this is that, that looks ounce. that looks pretty close. Yeah. 
So it is the most amazing uh -oh. little, um, uh, what, what, what is the official name for water something bottle. like this? It's, it's a water bottle. It's a water bottle, but it's, it's a insulated thermal can, um, cup deal. Can you do coffee in it? Yeah, there's coffee in here right now. Oh. Yeah. Now, I don't care about you. I don't want water in this thing. This is my coffee mug. So gotcha. the reason I like it so much is because it's just amazing how well it keeps the heat in. Even if you keep the cap off, this thing stays warm. So I, I poured my last, <clears throat> excuse me, the other day, I poured my last cup of coffee probably around 11 o'clock. And then by like 8 o'clock that night, I was doing dishes in the kitchen. And I was like, I'm curious how warm that still is. Mm -hmm. It was like 115 degrees. I put a, a thermometer in there. So if you really want something that's going to keep your coffee warm mm -hmm. for a long time, give you time to actually drink it while it's hot, uh, I cannot recommend this enough. Yeah. Hashtag not sponsored. Yeah. I don't even know. I put a link in. I don't even know who these people I, are. I put it in uh, the Friday Live section of the Amazon store. Uh, my coffee mug this morning... <laughs> Is from Mr. Scott Johnson in Nertacular. It's a frap. <laughs> uh, tw uh, Nertacular 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. You can see his artwork. If you're not familiar with Scott Johnson, he does a he does a cartoon. He does a whole bunch of podcasts. You can. What's his website? Is it Scott Johnson now? I would just say Frog Pants. Oh yeah, Frog Pants. Frogpants.com. So. Um, and one more thing before we get to our questions. Yesterday I released the nesting tables video, um, free version, and I've got a one minute clip here that kind of. Speeds through the whole project in a single oh, minute. Yeah, let so, me get good because I want to catch up. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> Some funny stuff going on in the chat. Will there be a hair cutting video? So this company makes coffee makers too. All right. So that is, uh, that's the nesting tables. There is a longer video on the free site. Just go to the woodwhisper.com. It's on the homepage right there. About 10 minutes on that one with a narration with it. And uh, of course that is a guild project. So if you're interested in the full set of plans for that and the full set of videos, that's at the woodwhisperguild.com. So that was a fun little project. I love, that. I love those little tables. I'm, I'm still trying to decide where I want to put them. I know they're sitting in the kitchen. I'm like, uh, where are you going to put them? I was thinking about putting them by my bed. But She's going to put them by her bed. And, and it, they're going to go between the bed yeah. and a dresser. So that's not really seen. So it's definitely not going to be or seen. maybe I'll put them at the end of the uh, couch. I don't know. I don't know. Let's put them on the I'll front porch. i things around. Let's put them on hey, the porch and see I just wanted to say thanks to, to Russ Farmer. He did a super chat and said, happy birthday, Nicole. Don't spend it all in one place. Oh, I will be nice. spending it at Joanne's. She's going to Joanne's, baby. <laughs> I'm still I'm still making masks. Um, I just got a print for a cap. Uh, like, yeah. like a cap. Yeah, a cap. <laughs> a cap. A shower cap. Well, but it's but a, not for it's showers. It's a fabric cap. Yeah, so I feel you. Your cousin, who is a nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, said that they've been out of them since last week. So I'm like, I know what I'm doing this weekend. Well, there you go. So I'm going to make her some caps. Awesome. Let's get to some woodworking questions, shall we? 
Oh, I forgot to thank people from Patreon. Oh, yeah. uh, Jesus Rodriguez and Peter Villaluz. So thank you so much, guys, for helping thank us you. out on Patreon. I need to do my, we need to do our buongiornos. Buongiornos. So I, we do some little live thank yous to people. So. Okay, so Mark and Nicole Chapelsky have a question. When buffing a hard wax oil like Osmo, have you found that using a terry cloth bonnet on your Ryobi buffer or using the Festool white pad slapped to the bottom of your Random Orbit Sander works better? I use both of those, but um, if you go check out uh, the video I did on Rubio, it'll show you what I what I do and what the method is. Um, I use the white on the Random Orbit Sander for the application and buffing it into the surface, and that's really just kind of a wet process. And then I use the terry cloth buffer after that, which is more of a drying process to wipe off the uh, most of the, the material off the surface. So I use them both. <laughs> Danny Wealth uh, in the chat says, I found you through the morning stream and I've been following that podcast from day one. Wednesdays are the best because Nicole is on. That oh, day. that's super interesting. Uh, thank you, Danny. We've heard that a few times where people found us through frog pants things that either you or I have yeah, done yeah. in the yeah. past. And they're like, wait. That's the know, same people? I didn't know that was you. <laughs> that's the same Nicole? Okay, uh, Araya Woodworks. I'm sure you have a video about this too. Uh, but why'd you go with Milwaukee Tools for your cordless tools? What other brands have you used and why not those? All right, <clears throat> so my history with Milwaukee starts when I believe it was Joseph Mensch sent me the little blower that they made. It was, I think, the first run of a little leaf blower. Um, but it's great for the shop because it's really tiny. I still have it today. Uh, he picked that up for me just as a gift, which was super nice. <clears throat> he started your love of the Milwaukee. <clears throat> of the Milwaukee. <laughs> and he likes the brand. And I was like, all right, this is a really beefy, well-built little machine. So there was a point where I bought a bunch of different drill sets and I tested them out. I think I got the Bosch, I got a DeWalt. Um, can't remember what else I had, but the Milwaukee was certainly one of them. And I afterwards, I was going to sell all the ones that I didn't want and keep the one that I thought gave me the best performance, had the best battery life. And the Milwaukee was the one that I thought just had the best build quality overall. Um, so from that, that point on, anytime I needed a cordless drill, I would get a Milwaukee. And if they had something that, you know, let's say I recently was looking at cordless. Well, we talked about the Rocky, what is it, the uh, MLCS. Yeah, yeah, the MLCS one. Right, we that, talked about that, that last discount week. discount is still <clears throat> available. Okay. I should probably find it again. <laughs> but here, here's my problem. I am very picky about batteries. I don't want more than one battery set, right? So that's why I don't even have anything cordless in Festool because I don't want to maintain Festool batteries. So Milwaukee also has a laminate trimmer that is battery powered. And I picked this one up because it works with the batteries I already have sitting over there. Uh, so generally, if Milwaukee makes it in a cordless, in a cordless variety, I will probably pick that version up because I want to be like married to this family of batteries which I highly recommend. It's just like a pain in the butt to have multiple chargers and multiple brand batteries and things like that. But I have not been disappointed with any of my Milwaukee stuff mm -hmm. at all. I find them fantastic. The Rockley, Rocky Cordless. Rockley. Rockley. <laughs> Eat your Rockley. Uh, Rockley. <laughs> Rocky Cordless Router from MLCS is currently 10% off with the coupon code ROCKYCL10. Right. And you know, again, I'm picky about the batteries. That doesn't mean you don't have you don't have to be as picky and uh, type A as I am. Yeah. About it expires that. on the thirtieth. And from what I looked at with the current selection of routers that are out there, that's probably the best bargain mm -hmm. in um, uh, battery-powered laminate trimmers. So keep that in mind. Uh, 
Okay, Todd Frazier says, how long have you had Powermatic as a sponsor? I know it's been a while. Did you approach them or did they approach you? Well, this is a whole story. Oh, it's a whole story. But I don't think everyone wants me to go into depth about it. I remember it very vividly, too. uh, They've been a sponsor just about since the beginning. I would say 2006, maybe early 2007. Because we had a bank of videos to show them. Yeah. And So it was basically them and Festool that we went after initially. Uh, And, yeah, it's been that early. So we've been with them for a very long time. I approached them. I mean, this, this was a point in time where... They didn't know what podcasts no, were. They nobody didn't know did, what, really. Like, they knew there was this online video thing. And companies at that time understood how to make video. Their version of making video was hiring a, a film crew mm-hmm. and paying, like, 25 grand for a two-minute spot, you right. know? Uh, so the idea of somebody for a much, much lower amount of money yeah. building an audience online, it was like, here's an opportunity for you to tap into a market you're not currently tapping into. Work with us. We'll do all the video work. It's really low cost compared to the stuff you're used to paying. Or even like a TV show like New Yankee. Yeah, compared to sponsoring something like a PBS show, it, w- it was a bargain. Mm-hmm. And it was giving you access to potentially, I mean, public TV is great, but the numbers uh, compared to what you can access on the internet, it's a you know, night and day difference. So much, much better bargain and I was able to sell them on that I remember us sitting sitting in the office in 5311 and me Mm -hmm. going so who do you want to take to the prom who's your dream date who's your dream prom date (laughs) I said I have two I want to go with two I want to go with Festool for the first half and then with uh, Powermatic for the second half Uh, so yeah that's the story of Powermatic luckily they've been um, they've been great since then and there's been a lot of turnover inside Mm -hmm. the company uh, but we're yeah. very thankful for them. And I'll tell you what, one of the one of the weirdest moments, uh, just kind of being out of our league in a, in, mm-hmm. in a way, and just uh, speaking of uh, what was it? someone said about faking it earlier, but they didn't say fake it till you make it, though. Yeah, did they? yeah, yeah, yeah. Fake, what, it okay. you, fake it speaking till you make of, it. Speaking of, I didn't want to say speaking of, that wasn't what we said. But anyway, speaking of faking it till you make it, um, the vice president of marketing was like, "Hey, I'm going to be in uh, in Scottsdale golfing." Come meet me at the country club yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever, yeah. so we can kind of put a you know do a face to face. Yeah, I forgot about that. And picture a 2007 <laughs> version of Mark and Nicole going to a country club <laughs> to, to talk business with a VP of marketing yeah. of uh, Powermatic at the time. So that was, that was good times. Good times. Oh, that's good. <clears throat> Tommaso wants to know. He says you've been in the shop for a while now. Aside from the issues with the floor, how are you liking the size and layout? Anything you would change? Nice to have. Need to have. I would like a little bit more room. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what everybody would say about their shop, right? Very few people have enough space. Um, I, I think I would just like a little bit more breathing room in here. If the, you know, it's, it's a one, two, four car garage. It's long like this. I'd like to get maybe five more feet on the side to get it a little bit closer to a square. That would be kind of nice. Um, you know, just room for projects, uh, big projects. Like when I did Mateo's bunk bed, that was... I mean, I took up the entire center of the shop. That's a difficult project to house in a, you know, medium to small shop. So, um, you know, storage is always a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually, one thing that would make shop life a little bit easier is if we had more storage for the house. Right. Right. Because the shop takes up the entire garage. I had to build a shed in the back to house some of the overflow wood and yard tools and things like that. It's just we, we have a fairly good size home, but there's just not that much storage space available, which is super weird for, for the square footage we have. I don't know how or why it was designed that way. I, I think they stored a lot in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. All yeah. that is gone now. Yeah. So uh, I, it's a long shot. 
but there might be somebody that works for uh, Joann's uh, corporate watching. Could you please fix your website? I can't check out. <laughs> it says, uh-oh, we've dropped a stitch. <laughs> Dang it. I have 16 things in my cart I want to order. Yeah. <laughs> I can't order right now. I don't they'll, know why. They'll get right on it. I know. Why don't I just, you tweet them a strongly worded tweet? Nicole? No, that's okay. I'll give them, they have a little sidebar that says feedback. Fix okay. your cart. <laughs> uh, Todd Cagle says, um, I'm building a patio set out of African mahogany. Wanted to know the best finish to stand up to the elements. And he says he lives right across town from us. I can only tell you what I'm going to do. Over time, while, you know, film finishes, that whole epoxy CPES, um, Epiphanes finish, big thick film finishes, that can be effective in certain situations. If we're talking about something with sun exposure and something you don't want to have to worry about that often, I really think you should go with an oil, something that is not going to flake, bubble up, uh, something that is non-film forming. So that means something like uh, I've got a can of that Penafin material, I believe it is. Uh, you know, the hard wax oil companies like Osmo and Rubio, uh, they do have outdoor formulations. You could even go with something like Watco Teak Oil, right? That's available at, uh, you know, your local home store. Why did I think of Takiti Waki when you said that? Or I have no idea that, what you're thinking, Nicole. The, the director, yeah. uh, Thor Ragnarok. Guy. Sure, and that's probably not how you pronounce it. I know that's not how you, that's how I pronounce it. That's his name for me. That is not his name. I know it's not his name. Uh, and I think that's something, all of those finishes are things that you will have to reapply on a periodic basis. I would just say yearly, see how that goes. Uh, because you, you really... Uh, the, the sun just destroys any film finish over time. And I think the problem is we don't want to be out there stripping finish or having to, you know, completely recoat something. The wipe on finishes and the oils, they're a little bit easier. You can just kind of do a little bit at a time on the weekend, uh, you know, do it once in a while, once a year. Um, it could just be a ritual, you know, every season you go out there and just re-oil some of the furniture. Uh, that's that's the way I'm heading uh, with my outdoor furniture. I just think it's more practical and it gives in to the fact that you cannot fight UV rays. They will always win eventually. Mm -hmm. And I think it, from what I've heard, a lot of people who do things for outdoors and do a lot of outdoor furniture seem to always come around to that point of view. <laughs> like the sun is always going to win whatever mm -hmm. battle. <laughs> so so uh, that's, that's what I would do. Todd. I missed a super chat <clears throat> from Scott uh, I'm going to mispronounce it. Reichagrin? Reichagrin? Reichinger? Pretty close. Chagrin. I, I see how you got there. <laughs> Thoughts on Ruby? I'm sorry, Scott. Thoughts on Rubio for a sofa end table? We'll get daily hot coffee mugs, dinner plates. Uh, we're not big on coasters. Is the, I, I'm having so much trouble telling people like when Rubio is appropriate. Right. Because Rubio is not a super protective finish. You're really relying on the wood to protect itself, you know. So use a durable wood, and it will be scratch resistant, yeah. heat resistant, things like that. Uh, the Rubio is really only there to stop water from penetrating into the fibers, right? And if you do get some kind of damage, you could refresh the surface very easily and reapply the stuff. That's where the advantage comes in on a high wear surface. So if you're expecting it to be completely impervious and you go and put something on there and it scratches the surface, you're like, oh, this, this is a terrible finish. Well, you're expecting the wrong thing out of that finish. Okay, so in your situation, I don't know if Rubio is the right answer for you. Watch the video that I did on it. You'll see that I put it on my kitchen table, primarily because I know that surface is going to get beat up. It's not if, it's when, and when I wanna refinish it or resurface it, if it starts to look really bad, it's actually fairly easy to do with uh, Rubio products. 
Yeah. Uh, got a super chat here from Ness Cheese in the chat. Ness. She says, good day to y'all. Spags, hope you had a happy birthday. Nicole, keep smiling when you guys smile. We all smile. Cheers. Aw, thanks, Ness. We're trying. We're trying today. Okay, <laughs> Carlos, Carlos Horton said, do you have any experience with the Osmo finishes, and do you have any tips for using the wipe on poly? Um, okay, those are two very different uh, categories of finishes, but let's continue with the question. He says, I know a lot of people swear by wipe on poly for a finish, uh, but when I've used it, it doesn't come out as glossy as I would like and seems to take me quite a few coats. I'm usually doing small projects like jewelry boxes, wood turning projects. Okay, so yeah, I do have some experience with Osmo. I would go to my website, search for Osmo, look for the projects I've done using the product. That'll give you some perspective on it. I don't know exactly what you're looking for because you just asked if I use them and I have. Um, wipe on finishes. A wipe on finish has been diluted. So if you're really looking to get a thick build and a really, you know, uh, aggressive sheen, you know, something that's very bright, uh, you need to apply quite a few coats. It's been diluted sometimes more than 50%. So every time you wipe on a coat, you know, I don't know what the exact ratios and numbers are, but that's like, let's say one brushed on coat of full strength poly. It might take four coats of a wipe on uh, polyurethane to get that same build, right? So if you're looking for more shine, either apply more coats or use a different product. You don't need to go with wipe on. If you get good at using a brush, you could just brush on a full strength finish and get there within two to three coats, you know, depending on what kind of look you're going for. Uh, but if you want a really high gloss and a high build, you just gotta have more material on the surface per coat and it'll save you some time. I'm tippy tapping over here. I hear you. So, so Jeff had emailed me in and was asking about uh, using our store in the Amazon app, mm -hmm. there's no way that I know of right now to no, do that. No so way. you have to do it on the website, unfortunately. Did you guys hear about them cutting back um, affiliate? Um, I heard what, what would you call it? The percentages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they're really aggressively dropping those back, which is kind of a shame. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is what it is. They're, it's their program. They can yeah. do whatever the heck they want. Yep. Uh, but things are dropping from like five to two, yeah, you know, we're six well, I, to two. We're part of uh, another affiliate program called uh, I don't even remember. But anyway, I get notifications that they those are cha those change monthly almost. Yeah. So, Jesus Rodriguez, he's from Spain. Hey, you know, I have Jesus. a cousin that lives in Spain. You do. Uh, he says a few years ago. Cool, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I installed a pine board as a credenza top. At the time, I liked the raw color and the texture, and I left it unfinished. After, let's see, after this time, the grain has faded and the color has turned to an ugly brownish yellow. I want to reuse the wood in another project and I'm planning to finish it with a clear hard wax oil like Osmo. Will that help maintain the grain contrast and prevent the ugly color change from happening again? I'm going to say I don't know for sure. Uh, what I found with Osmo, I have it on a cherry table. Osmo, once it's built up a little bit, starts to look to me, to my eye, looks a little bit more like a water-based finish in its final appearance, more so than some other hard wax oils might. That actually might work in your favor here uh, because it will tend to slow the process down of oxidation of the wood, uh, the color changes and things that may happen to raw wood. It'll happen a lot slower when wood has a finish on it. Uh, so in, in this case, I don't work with pine all that much, so I, I don't have a lot of experience in seeing how different finishes affect it over time. But I would say either a water-based finish or something like Osmo is actually a pretty, I think a pretty decent choice in terms of something that isn't going to cause 
too much yellowing from the finish itself and then yellowing over time. And that's just based on how I've seen it on, let's see what we've used that on, different woods like walnut. Uh, we've used it on red oak and I think I've used it on cherry mm -hmm. a number of times. So I'm going to say I hope that that would work. If anyone else has perspectives on pine, if you've used a lot of it, um, feel free to, to say it in the chat pine room. Pine so. is fine. So he has a, a little fun. bit more informative answer than what I gave him. Since you're talking about finishing, Jeff uh, says, I need a finish that I can apply over wax. Is epoxy my only option? I wouldn't apply any finish over wax. Mm. Wax is not... I mean, you, certainly you might be able to get a result with epoxy. I always thought wax epoxy. was on the top. It is. It's the last thing you would ever put on the on the top. It, it yeah. is that final treatment typically. Um, but I don't. I honestly can't even tell you for sure what epoxy is going to do on a waxed surface. It sounds like you may have done that research, so you know it's going to bind. But I would still be afraid of it flaking off at some point or not really binding very well. Um, the That's best what the, thing. That, uh, Apo was saying in the chat. I'm, <clears throat> would epoxy even stick to wax? The best thing to do is get the wax off of there. Most wax is like dissolved with something like mineral spirits. So I would probably try to get as much, scrub as much of the wax off as possible. Uh, maybe give it a light sanding after that cleaning process and try to get all that wax off. And then you open up the playbook to lots of different finishes. Um, but again, like, like others are saying, I don't even know that epoxy is going to be happy over top of a waxed surface. So. We got a super chat from Ellen Lennon. And she says, thanks for doing the live show. Love it. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you, Ellen. And I like your last name, only because it makes me think of John Lennon and then the Beatles. I've been on a Beatles kick lately. Mm -hmm. There's a, that movie Yesterday on HBO, and I watched it, and I'm like... Can I tell you something about your Beatles kick? You're destroying the algorithm on my YouTube music I love mix. it so much, though. I'm like, I, I have this mix that mm -hmm. I, I just want to dedicate it to, like, hard metal music i use it when i work out yeah right and and it'll go from pantera to like she loves me yeah 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 and i'm like what <laughs> is going on nicole i go i go hey google play some beatles <laughs> but like why are they polluting my mix with with the beatles oh, i might have made somebody somebody's smart thing probably play the beatles. yeah you probably did sorry about that uh but yeah i've been on a beatles kick since watching that movie yesterday on hbo i keep thumbing it down and i'm like <laughs> And, and here's the thing, YouTube's music app, yeah. the algorithm for, uh, you know, your mix, it's like the main thing, is terrible. It doesn't <laughs> learn. It's like, this is not a good example of machine learning at all. Sorry. It does not work. Sorry. So you have screwed it up. Sorry. Thanks, though. I appreciate I, I that. I love listening to the Beatles. <laughs> when I'm making my mask, I got the Beatles on. I'm yeah, use Pandora. Flow. Use Pandora for your Beatles. Okay, Karen uh, says... Your video on jointer setup, number 118, is one of the best ones out there. Thank you. It's very thorough and easy to understand. I had to do some maintenance on my jointer this week for the very first time. It was extremely helpful. I didn't realize that that wasn't a question. <laughs> so thank you, Karen. I'm glad I could read that on the show for everybody. <laughs> okay, Mike Davies says, do you think there's an ideal ratio between the thickness of drawer sides versus drawer fronts? Just made my first couple of drawers. And they look a little chunky because the sides are a bit too thick in relation to the front. Methinks. I don't know that there's an official ratio, Mike, but I agree with you. Most of the time, that I, like if I've made a drawer that has the same dimension on the sides as the front, it looks chunky. It looks weird. So I think you, you, want, you want to scale it down. Now, how much? I think there's probably a wide range of things that would work. Uh, but if you're going, you know, we have typical measurements that just make sense in woodworking. So if you have a three-quarter inch front, probably want to go with half-inch sides, 
and then a quarter inch bottom, right? If it's not a, something that has to take a lot of weight. Uh, sometimes I will beef up the sides if it's a very heavy duty drawer. Shop drawers are an example of that. Uh, I, I see no reason to go down to a thinner material on a shop drawer. I want it to be robust. I don't care what it looks like. But if you're making fine furniture, you want to think about these things. So again, I don't think it's so much a ratio, but step down incrementally to something that makes sense, right? Uh, and I do think drawers tend to look better when the sides, at least the sides, if not the sides in the back, are a little bit thinner than the front. So you're on to something, but I don't think there's an official number for it necessarily. I have a super chat here from Jake Baker. I'm looking to glue tempered hardboard to a wood frame. Do you have a glue recommendation? And should I scuff the hardboard when where the glue will be? Thanks. Thank well, you, Jake. Hardboard, hardboard's tricky because hardboard has two sides to it, right? Mm -hmm. It's got the... Um, sure the textured back side and it, which is like a very absorbent side and then it has the shiny side so i'm going to say yes you're going to want to scuff that to some extent because i don't know how how glue is going to be you know responding to such a shiny smooth surface so yeah scuff it up i mean at that point once you scuff it up it might take well to regular wood glue i don't know scuff i mean it up. i would probably be tempted to use something that was a little bit more aggressive epoxy would be something I would look into. Um, How do you spell scuff? S-C-U-F-F. <laughs> you all right today? Uh, no. Clearly. Oh, you're putting a title suggestion? I'm putting a title suggestion. Scuff so I don't, it up. So I don't forget. Nice. Good job. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just feel like if you got beyond whatever, because I don't know how hardboard is treated, but whatever is on the top, it does seem like it's not going to be that absorbent. If you can get through that, and then it allows absorption, then you could probably get away with like a standard wood glue. Um, but I would probably go with epoxy if it were me, if this is something that was like super critical. That's a good question. Anyone with hardboard experience and, and you know, how it responds to different glues, uh, let us know in chat. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where am I? Peter, I Peter Villaluz. Peter. I'm thinking about getting an air filtration system like the Jet AFS 1000B to augment my dust collection and to save my sinuses. I'm hesitant on spending it, uh, suspending it from the nine foot high garage ceiling, exploring other options. Would there be decreased efficiency if I place it on a shelf next to the wall? Are there other options out there that are more portable? Unfortunately, the Powermatic is out of my price range. I think you're fine. I mean, basically, you want it up high because you want to get all that airborne stuff, but I don't think you absolutely need to be on the ceiling. I think if you're on a shelf and it's somewhere, you know, head height or maybe just a little bit higher uh, near the wall, that's perfectly fine. That will start to, you know, create a circular pattern of circulation throughout the room and will, should effectively clean the air. Um, I don't think you're necessarily going to sacrifice a lot of quality by not being directly up on that nine foot ceiling. I think it's fine. And that's a pretty good unit too. The Jet is one of the most, um, you know, best reviewed ones out there. Until the Powermatic um, one came along with the electrostatic filter, I thought that the you know Jet was pretty much the top dog out there. So, top dog! Top dog! Okie dokie. Corey, thoughts on a good tape measure? Do you ever use folding rulers? I need to replace one that doesn't uh, want to retract anymore. You know, I've always had Stanley tape measures, and they tend to get good reviews. And there's a lot of different tapes out there, uh, like from every tool company. It's funny when you read the reviews on these things because you go, well, like I, I'm, I'm the kind of person who wants to find the thing that's a little bit unusual, right? Like if everybody's got a black and yellow Stanley tape measure, I want to find, I want to look at the Milwaukee and see if that one's any good or like a DeWalt tape and see if that's any good. 
But when you start to look at the reviews, one thing that always happens is it's like the, the, the Stanley company, they know how to make a tape measure. And their tape measures are usually the highest rated and the most solid and they do what you expect them to do. Uh, so I've got a couple of the Stanley. I think I've got like a Fat Max. Most of my tape measures in the shop like are the 25 little, feet or less. The Stanley, the small Stanley. The little that, baby ones. The little, what was it, the anniversary ones? That, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that, that, uh, and the, the metal one. Who sent those to us? Uh, I think his name was Nick. Nick, who also did the Stanley Sweethearts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I love that. And I don't have a, well, I do have a folding rule. It was a promotional folding ruler from Festool. Mm-hmm. I think I still have it. I think it's over there by the miter saw. A folding ruler to me is not a form factor that I find useful. So I have it. It's fun to, to play with sometimes, but I never use it. So that's that. Um, you know, there are other tape measures out there. The, um, what is it? The lefty righty tape measure is interesting from, um, who is it? Oh, fast cap, I believe. Uh, I have one of those. Little disappointed in the build quality on that though. We we broke the um, metal clip, like the belt clip that's on the back. That broke off, so now it's a sharp uh, piece of metal on the back of the tape, which makes it a little bit less fun to use. Um, I, there might be a screw holding it on. I haven't looked at it that close, um, but it did break, which is kind of disappointing. Um, but there are other tapes out there. I just think the Stanley tapes are just tried and true. They work mm-hmm. and don't do anything you don't want them to. I have another super chat from Justin Ford. Happy birthday, Nicole. Enjoy your Joanne shopping. Oh. <laughs> if they let me shop. If they would let you check I'm, out. I'm sitting here and I'm kind of going back and forth between the chat and Joanne's and I'm going yeah. refresh, refresh. And it's just... Doing everybody's shopping. Bu- everybody's buying fabric at this moment. <laughs> I guess so. Um, so Corey also wanted to ask a question about that the Excel spreadsheet um, that Josh oh, Doolittle yeah, yeah, made. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was we're, gonna... we're gonna make a little bit more of an effort to make that obvious and available mm-hmm. to everybody. I think in our show notes, we usually have like a template that we use. I do. We're going to put a gonna, link to yep. that in the template so that it's always there and always available. Uh, Josh put so much work into that and it actually is really, really good. It's it's a good resource. Yeah. If you're interested in the show and you wonder if I've had an, you know, answered a question, uh, you want to do a little bit of research on any topic. Um, almost everything we've done, or at least for a very large percentage yeah. of the shows, Josh has done an amazing job of isolating it by topic and Here it is. links to the to the second Here it is. when I discussed it. I found that it. It's a Google Doc, too. Oh, it's a Google Doc. Okay. Yeah. So so check that out. Um, again, props to Josh for... Oh, wow. He changed it. It used to be in like a... Like a... This a thing. A, a like a spreadsheet, spreadsheet. Like in a table? But it's in, it looks like it's in... Um, a doc now, which I think maybe... Well, they're all linked up. Linked up to and it opens to up to the spreadsheet. spreadsheets. Oh, that's slick, Josh! You're awesome, man. Yeah, Josh is on the ball with that. So again, thank you, Josh, and we want to make sure that that thing gets as much traffic as it should. You know, gonna, it's I'm going to put it in. Here's the if here you if you value the, the stupid things that come out of my mouth, that's a great resource for you. <laughs> if you've ever wondered if you said that, yeah. Before. If you ever wonder if I commented on that, okay. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I can see how many people go into it. <laughs> bing, oh, really? Bing, 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 bing. Oh, just as you posted it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Corey Pelton says, what would you say is the max lifespan of an abrasive disc when sanding primarily hardwoods? I'm using a Festool sander, the ETS-150, and a Rotex. When starting a new project, I find that I err towards using a new disc instead of a disc that's a couple of rounds of, has a couple of rounds of sanding on it. I feel I'm not utilizing the disc to its fullest extent. I mostly use Festool's granite discs, if that makes a difference. Well, granite has an excellent lifetime. Um, it's one of the best, uh, from my experience. So what's interesting is 
this is really going to depend on your usage. Um, so trying to express lifespan on sandpaper is really difficult because it depends on what you're using it on, how you use it. I could say, you know, if you put a time amount on it, unless you have a meter on your sander that's clocking the number of minutes, it's really hard for me to, to give you a number, right? Generally speaking, as soon as you notice that it's not sanding as efficiently as it used to, that's when you should start thinking about a new sheet. You can still use it a lot longer though. It depends on how, um, uh, what's the word? Boobies. <laughs> it is one of my favorite words. <laughs> and uh, good job, Nicole. <laughs> it depends on how uh, economical you want to be and how much money you want to save. Uh, it's money versus time. You can continue using somewhat dulled sandpaper, but it takes more time to sand. So for me, a lot of times, if I'm in a time is money mindset, I go throw it and then I grab a new one and keep going and sand nice and fast. So I did this entire big green egg table. If you look on my Instagram, I showed pictures of all of those parts, uh, sanded all of them. And I only used one sheet per grit for the entire project. And those sheets are still, there's still life in them. So over here in this mess on these counters, I have random orbit sander discs. And here's what actually happens. I have the best intentions. I take them off and I go, well, this is still good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this at some point in the future. And I put it over here and then I never use it. It stays there. And I go, like, if I, I do what you do, I grab a new one because ah. I want the best performance. But in reality, I don't actually go back and use that sandpaper, but it is there. So I don't know. Sometimes if I'm, um, maybe I got dried glue on mm -hmm. a project, I'll go grab one of those junky pieces of sandpaper, use that to grind down the glue and then I feel a little bit better because that'll wear down a new sheet pretty quickly, right? Hey, Corey, for the horde. For the horde! All right, I got a question here from, oh, uh, Jacob said, since Mark is the son of a barber, man, will there be a haircutting video? I trimmed mine this morning and it's less than stellar. <laughs> Looks like a Russian mobster. I don't think I have any business giving instruction <laughs> no. on how to do it. Like we when I, We could probably do like a quick Instagram story of like, yeah. that would be awkward. Well, and I did, I was, I was do, I was cutting it the other day and I told Nicole, I'm like, I might need you to help me with the front, but it, I was doing it and I knew I could do it, but it wasn't like I was absolutely sure of myself that it was going to come out. Okay. <laughs> it was just the fact that like, what else am I going to do? Yeah. Like this is, it'll be what it is. It just happened to come out. Okay. <laughs> and Andy, uh, yes, I will edit the calendar meeting to add a reminder to it. Uh, sorry about that. Calendars. Not, not our best thing. Yeah, we're, I don't know. Okay. I'll, put it, I'll give myself a reminder to do the reminder. Steve Jameson says, do you set up your chisels for pairing different, the, oh, your chisels for pairing different than the chisels that you use more aggressively with a mallet? Also, any recommendations for a belt sander? Okay. I what? do not. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one working set of chisels right now outside of the mortising chisels. That's a different thing though. Um, I have the PMV 11 from Lee Valley. They are all set up for a more aggressive usage pattern. They are at 35 degrees and I do not sharpen any of them to like a lower bevel of 25 or something like that. Um, maybe what I'll do, cause I've got those Stanley sweet, sweethearts over there. I might, you know, make those kind of dedicated for pairing. I, I don't know for sure. We'll have to see what I'm going to do. Uh, but for right now, um, 35, a well-sharpened 35 degree chisel will also pair pretty nicely. So you don't necessarily need to, like for me, a general all-around chisel, it's better off being a uh, higher bevel. So it, it, you know, takes a little bit more abuse because it can still do things like pairing just fine. But if you take a pairing chisel and you beat up on it, it's not going to respond as well as the higher bevel. So 
uh, if you have to pick one, go with that one. But you know, you have to have a couple of chisel sets to maintain like two different angles because you're not going to be changing them all the time. Chisel, chisel. Recommendations on a belt sander. You know, I needed a belt sander recently um, when I did the Hank chair. I wanted to do the taper in the legs like uh, Jory does with the belt sander, and I actually can't remember what happened to my old one. I didn't, didn't have one. I used to have a Milwaukee. Uh, and then uh, trying to think. I think it was the no. It was a Makita. It was the green one. I used to have a Makita. And then I looked into the Milwaukee version, I believe, a battery-powered version. So just going back to that previous conversa conversation about batteries, if I'm going to get a cordless model of anything, I'm going to try to get the one that's the same batteries I already have. So I believe I have the Milwaukee. And I, I'm unsure of myself because I used it for that one project, put it in a drawer, and it's in there right now. And I, th I think, think it's the Milwaukee. Okay. I only got three more questions. I'm pounding through them. I got some more super chats. Okay. Uh, I got a super chat from uh, mm. Stefan Saucy. Here's the problem with this. It's it not. is still freaking hot, <laughs> and I can only take the tiniest of sips. And I just, you know, I want a big gulp of coffee, a big mouthful <laughs> yeah. of coffee, and all I get is a I'm little all, sip. I'm all done. Because I'm burning my uvula. You want to put some in and heat up mine? It's bit. You, you don't want it now. <laughs> it's back there, like going. Oh, I'm on fire. Yeah. Uh, can I do Stefan's super chat? Oh, go ahead. Okay. It, I, am I saying it or is it Stephen? It could Steven? be Stephen. It could be Stephen. Is it Saucy? It could be Stefan. Stefan? Stassi? Saucy? Susie? Susie? <laughs> you know what we're trying we're to like say. Like the blind leading the blind. Over there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, shame on you for taking Festool instead of Nicole to the prom. <laughs> Happy birthday, Nicole. <laughs> Thank you. She's already been to the prom. I think it's Stefan. So, yeah. Uh, she took some guy with a mullet to the prom, I'm sure. Everybody had mullets in the 90s See? in Missouri. It just, <laughs> and they, have, they still have them now, Nicole. It just, <laughs> it's just I, the way it is. I did have a pretty great dress for my junior prom. I, I did not enjoy the prom. The guy that I went with ignored me the whole night. Well, he was not very nice to me because he was breaking up with me and he just... He felt so you obligated. just had to go through with it? He felt obligated to take me to the prom. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, it was, it was not fun. His loss... My game, Nicole. <laughs> uh, I also have a, a super chat here from, and I, oh, I think it's, he told me one time, is it Ian? Yeah, I would say Ian. Ian, crisp. Uh, hey, folks, I haven't been on the live chat for a while, so here you go. Thank you, Ian. Well, thank you, Ian, if that's how you pronounce that. I'm pretty sure it is Ian. Okay. Jason says he's been spraying shellac through a $10 HVLP with good results. I like to use it as a finish when appropriate. I've been wondering if de-waxed shellac would offer the same level of protection as regular shellac. Are you showing your pecs? You're, pr you're proud of your pecs? It's just, it's a crisp morning and, uh, and I want to enjoy it. Um, so is de-waxed shellac the same level of protection as regular? Man, I feel like I, I, feel like I learned this from VJ Velji at mm -hmm. some point. Probably. I think if you're using the finish as the only finish just go with the waxed stuff right go with the the good quality standard shellac um the fact that it has a wax component to it i feel like should offer some level of additional protection but i really don't know that's a fantastic question i don't know for sure and, and bj belgy bj v-i-j-a-y v-e-l 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 j-i i think so, yeah, I mean, I got to imagine that wax component d is doing something, you know, just like an oil wax finish, you know, being a little bit more protective than just oil alone. 
Um, but again, another one for the chat room. Anyone who knows a lot about shellac is the waxed standard waxy shellac more protective than a de-wax shellac? It's a good question. Uh, it is a nice crisp morning, though. It's like Owen. Oh, Ian, Owen. 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 Okay, well, oh, sorry. stand corrected. Tony Tang says, any questions, suggestions? Just reading words that aren't there. Any suggestions for good angle gauge that actually locks tightly, like the ones that lock at the handle instead of locking at the pivot point? You know there's no sugar in there, woman. I have sugar in my, like, little bit. Got more I sugar need... than anybody needs. <laughs> it, will, it will sustain. You know there's a sugar shortage. I just needed to oop, freshen it up. I gotta wheeze my juice. <laughs> so I Did have you not um, drink it? the one I have is the Veritas. I find this one is pretty good, but you know, like any of these, when you tighten them down, they can still move. And this one has a screw. You can make it a little bit tighter, but that makes it a lot harder to engage this little paddle, this little flap lock. Uh, so you don't want it to be too tight. You got to find a happy medium, but trust me, anytime I've got one of these set, even if I'm confident that it's, you know, fairly tight, I'm walking around with this thing like this. <laughs> I don't want to touch it. It's holding some setting and I want to make sure that I get to the tool and get that transferred or whatever it is. Uh, so there are other ones out there. I've seen like you're talking about ones that lock from the back that probably are more, um, stronger and resist being knocked out. Uh, but I don't know anything about them. I've never used them. So this is this is the one that I use. It was uh, reasonably priced. It was a pretty big upgrade over the crown <laughs> one that I had, which I think had a, um, uh, what do you call it? A wing nut on there, which this is nice and flush. You can't accidentally hit that. Of course, a wing nut, a wing nut sticking out, you hit that all the time by accident. So uh, this is definitely was a nice upgrade, but may, maybe not as good as the other ones. Everybody's making fun of your coffee. <laughs> What's wrong with my coffee? Scott K goes, holy mackerel, how about some coffee to go with your creamer, Mark? Mm. <laughs> Listen, the ratios. When you're pouring in here, yeah. I added the cream first. Uh, so you put too much so in. So I put too much in. That's eh, whatever. Listen. And it's half and half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, make fun of my coffee. <laughs> jerks. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Uh, Michael Scottsdale did a super chat for me, and he said for my Joanne fund. Oh, good. Well, she can't spend that money, so you're just wasting it, Michael. I will spend it eventually. Mm -hmm. some, you, should go some to, you should spend pal. it at Michael's in <laughs> yeah. honor of Michael. Yeah. Okay. They don't have fabric, though. They only have crafts. Okay, my last question is Raleigh Behringer. I often struggle with what finishes hold up to what situations. Is there a cheat sheet anywhere that says what types of finishes can have, say, a hot coffee cup or a plate put on it? Seems difficult uh, to find. Wait. I seem to default to the hard film finishes such as poly lacquer since I'm not sure if shellac or some other oil finishes would leave heat or moisture rings. That's a good question. And I don't really know of a particular go-to resource for that. Other than to maybe look into the classic finishing books, Jeff Jewett, Bob Flexner, Michael Dresner, uh, these overview books that kind of cover the entire world of finishing, they might give you a little bit of perspective on that level of protection. They might even have charts in there that you could refer to how much abuse it's going to get or what kind of abuse. Um, but, you know, that, that's something that I, I think about a lot. I even got a question on this because I had done an Instagram story um, maybe a month or two ago talking about making a finishing flow chart. Remember when I, I was all excited about that and I started mm -hmm. to write it all down? Oh, yeah. You had In a fact, whole spreadsheet. It's over there on the table saw. And I had a whole two by three piece of paper 
completely filled out with this branching thing of decisions. And the problem is I got to the end of that and I realized there are too many caveats. There are opinions of what looks good and what doesn't look good. So when you say, I want a protective finish, well, you immediately start to think, most people would immediately think about polyurethanes, epoxies, you know, super protective films. But there is an argument to be made that the things that need, the things that are going to get beat up the most, you don't want those film finishes on there, like a workbench, right? Like my kitchen table. I put a less heavy-duty finish on there intentionally. I almost feel like at the top level, it should be what kind of furniture are you building? Like that is then, then you do an if-then-else statement to say if it's a table, you go down to this. But it's, it's really a- hard to break it down in a sort of – it's not I'll that program simple. That sucker. No, it's just not that simple because when I say you can use Rubio on a workbench, yeah. right? Right. Then go, they go, but they're like, it's not that protective. Why would you put Rubio right. on a workbench? It's because I know it's going to get beat up, so I want an easy to repair finish. But if someone doesn't want to deal with repairs ever and they want to finish that, you know, resists all of that abuse, mm-hmm. then you got to go completely on the other side of the scale. So the problem was between opinions between just everybody having a different situation mm-hmm. and their needs are a little bit different. The whole thing, I was like, I can't see my way to the finish line on this thing. Well, what I would do, this is what I would do. <laughs> if I had to program it, I would say, what kind of furniture is it and what kind of durability, you know, how much maintenance do you mm-hmm. want? Those would be the two factors to hmm. then the flow chart. Maintenance and type. Yeah. Well, that's also what you're talking about is a very important distinction of of how you structure this thing, there are certain questions that, you know, I might put at the end, right. you know, but if you put it at the beginning, it's going to send the, anyway, it needs to be a program. Right. It really does. Right. This, yeah. this is not something that can be just on My paper. programming brain goes, oh, I Yeah, can, I this can. is not a shop poster. Yeah, this is no. something that someone would have to work on. And then it still might be wrong because that person's opinion is different sure. than yours. That's yeah, the problem. Yeah. Anyway. Well, the big caveat would be, this isn't an opinion of Mark's. <laughs> Well, the don't. whole thing would be my opinion. <laughs> Feel free to disagree, but it's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got a super chat from Mike De Niro. Nino. Danino. Danino. Hello from a fellow scientist. He's a chemist. Oh, nice. On Tuesday, you my talk- minor was in chemistry, Nicole. Oh, well, there you go. You're like you're connected. People don't talk enough about their minors. Was it, what was I your would, major? Well, I, know, I want to know what your minor was. My minor? What was almost as important to you? What was it? I think mine was marketing. Mm. No, it was business administration and then marketing. Yeah, I can anyway. see that. Uh, on Tuesday, you talked about using epoxy or polyurethane glue for more open time. What, what do you use to clean up any of the squeeze out? I, huh. I have used mineral spirits. Uh, acetone works as well. Um, mineral spirits, yeah. I mean, the thing is, acetone is not my favorite thing to play with, right? It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite. It's um, so I think that might be one of the most effective things, but it also flashes off quickly, uh, and it's just brutal to work with. Um, so if mineral spirits is working for you, go with the mineral spirits. It gives you more time to work with it. Um, that said, most of the time, I try not to do anything liquid uh, if it's possible. If it's something I know that's going to be sanded really aggressively. Then I just wipe off as much as I can and I'm going to sand through it anyway. (laughs) The trick with something that kind of to some extent dissolves the epoxy to clean it up is that it spreads it too. And especially with epoxy, that stuff is clear. So you really – it's so hard to tell where it went. 
And then you have a lot of sanding and stuff to do anyway because now you've spread it and you, you drove the stuff into, you know, deeper into the fibers. So I think honestly, kind of like I do with regular PVA water-based glues, wait for it to set up a little bit. Not, not to the point that it completely hardens, but just at the point where it doesn't spread as easily and then scrape it out of there. That in many cases is the better way to go. If it's a hidden area and you're not going to stain, you're just going to clear coat it or something, uh, sure, then scrape the excess away, then come back with a cloth, maybe in some mineral spirits, and, you know, come back and try to wipe off that corner to get as much of the epoxy out there, out of there as possible. But I honestly, most of the time, I don't want to make a little bit of a mess into a big mess. So I try to just scrape it and get it out of there. Owen Berg made me laugh. He says, obligatory first time post. One of the benefits to acquire your afternoon at work. Thanks. Thanks to COVID. Uh, enjoying the live show from the UK. It's just like the recorded one. Just live. Liver. <laughs> you are correct, sir. And you got your, your comment read. Hey, my brother's in the UK. Yeah, he is. I like telling people as if like they should know each other. I know. My brother lives in London. Hey, Have you seen him? You're from Missouri. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he's staying in his house. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. All right. I got another. I got a few super chats. I got another one from Alan Lillich. Hi, Alan. Outdoor wood and facial hair. Embrace the gray. <laughs> okay. okay. Thanks, Alan. I will try to embrace my gray. Uh, you know, here's the thing. What? Mm-hmm. I actually, I was always of the perspective that gray hair mm. is earned, mm. right? It's not. You definitely have been earning your gray. I've been earning it. Uh, it's not something to fight. It's not something to be embarrassed about. Mm-hmm. It's something that you should be proud about. Because a lot of people don't live long enough to get yeah. gray hair, you know? And that's what we, Mateo was saying something, we were wrestling the other yeah. day. And he said something, he's like, he's like, Dad, why is your hair white? Why is your hair white? He's like, I don't, he goes, and I said, well, because I'm getting older, buddy. And he's like, well, I don't want you to get old. So, you know, kids think. I didn't want him to go down that path. Um, oh, thank you. And I, I didn't want to get him worried about me getting older. Um, but we tried to explain to him, it's like, no, you should be happy, you know, that you have gray hair. There are very few people that have the privilege of, of uh, well, not few, but a lot of, let's a say lot. a lot of people don't have that yes, privilege. Yes. But it wasn't until I started getting so many comments about it that I began <laughs> Made a little self-conscious. to suddenly get self-conscious about gray hair. And it wasn't something that was like intrinsically part of me. It was something that was created because people can't stop talking about it. <laughs> Kojak said, I'm not earning my gray hair, jumping straight to white. When I go uh, different color, I think I'm going to go similar to you. I'm going to just jump to white. My grandfather was pure white. I have yet to find any. I found a little white hair in my eyebrow. That's about it. Good for you, Nicole. (laughs) How terrible for you. I know. I'm sorry. But I think it's going to be like one day I wake up, I'm like, whoa, what happened to my hair? I uh, got a Judy, Gra- uh, Judy Grass is in the chat. And she's Judy. Like, For Mark's creamer fun. Thank you. And then I go through <laughs> lots of creamer, guys. And then Abby the dog said, uh, Friday fun day, coffee with booze. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I want to bring, uh, we should always have a tennis ball here. Yes. <clears throat> in case Abby shows up and I can throw it. But Abby, Abby. Get Abby a, all excited. I think Abby had surgery. Oh, so we don't want to run. No, we don't want her Okay, to let's stay calm, Abby. Yeah. <laughs> let's relax. Let's just sit in front of the TV, watch Animal Planet. Yep. <laughs> and Jeremy says uh, gray is better than none. So, mm-hmm. 100%, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Mike. Oh, Mike Zelman said, at least you have hair. See, it can always be. Everybody, can always... Has, everybody has a worse situation yep. than you. Yep. And that's a, like that Joe Rogan thing. <laughs> like, oh, there yeah, are people yeah, yeah. that are luckier He's than like, me. Yeah, I'm lucky. But there's people who are lucky, luckier than me. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, what's his name? 
<laughs> Justin about, Bieber. Yeah, how about Justin Bieber? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. I got questions that I've been pulling since the beginning of the show. Karen said, I, I love the name Mateo. Mm-hmm. I've never heard it before. Is it a family name? No, it's not. It's just, I don't even know how we found that name. I found it. Yeah. Um, I, like wanted a a name, I wanted a name that sounded appropriate with her last name. Mm-hmm. Mateo actually, I think, is actually Spanish, but sounds Italian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Well, and I was really into Assassin's Creed at the time. So he steered me away from like Ezio. Yeah, I did, <laughs> and I will continue to steer you away from from Ezio. <laughs> I think I like the name Ezio. It's very <laughs> very uh, Italian. I uh, got a question here from Jeff. Uh, I'm not gonna Jeff K. I need a finish that I can apply. Did we already do that one? Oh yeah, I did. We already did. Yeah, we already did. Timothy Harris says for finishing. Think of a matrix instead of a flow chart. One axis is the list of finishes. The other is a list of various factors. Durability. durability uh, see, it, Timothy's sounds, a programmer. It sounds complicated. Uh, he's a programmer. And it's really not even a flow chart so much as like a decision, like what matrix. he's saying, a decision matrix, yeah, yeah, yeah. series of decisions, because it doesn't flow easily enough or it's not black and white mm-hmm. to do a flow chart. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it, it got to be too intimidating. I was just like... They're, I'm, saying I'm gonna do that, they're saying Mateo equals to Matthew, which is why we chose Mateo, because if he ever wants to be Matt, yeah. he can be he Matt. He has that option. Yeah. I'll just you know get mad at him. <laughs> uh, Tom Weatherhead said, so a question for old man's bags. I saw your blurb on Sander, yeah. <laughs> Sanders uh-huh. and how much there is to do on the big green egg cart. Mm-hmm. Could you not put... The flat surfaces through the drum seat. I got the question from that. I got that question about 10 times. Yeah, for the first that. pass? <clears throat> yes, you can. I keep a grit on my sander that is complementary to what I've done on the planer, right? So it's about 150. The problem is 150 on a drum sander is not 150 on a random orbit sander. So if you uh, take a board off of the drum sander, you should at least hit it with that same grit, if not one grit lower to help get rid of the hard scratch pattern that's in the surface. So if I wanted to change the drum like two or three times, I could go up to 220 and send all those boards through and at least get the flats. But I still have to do the edges, right? And I still would have to sand the flats to get the drum sander marks off of the surface. So yes, absolutely, you could do that. Will it actually save time in the end? Probably, it probably would save time, but I don't want to change the paper. So there's a little bit of, you know, irony in that, that mm-hmm. I'm not willing to change the paper because I'm lazy. So I wind up sanding more by hand. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I just don't like changing the paper on the drum. In fact, I usually only have one grit because I know I don't change the paper that often. <clears throat> don't change the paper. Change the paper, pig. I wonder if there's a programmer out there that is like, I got some free time. Let me help Mark out with this matrix thing. Yeah, but he, the programmer, unless he knows woodworking, yeah. the, the thing is that he that person would be good to ask me the right questions, right. but someone has to answer those questions mm-hmm. and to put it into those different mm-hmm. categories. Might be somebody watching is like, oh, that's some free time. I know. It's not their free time I, I'm worried about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my free time. <laughs> uh, Andy, <clears throat> what epoxy would be best to fix an armchair rust that? the connection to the backrest has been pulled apart in a couple of pieces. What epoxy? Um, Well, I use the same epoxy for everything, um, either West Systems or Total Boat. 
in both cases, you can use like their uh, high density filler. I know West System has one. I can see it over here. It's a 404. And you could use that to make what is a very loose epoxy, pourable epoxy, into something a little bit thicker that works better as a strategic adhesive that you don't want dripping and running all over the place. Um, so those are the epoxies that I use. If you have a, a, a small amount to do, you could try to get a longer set over-the-counter standard, <laughs> like it's drugs, uh, <laughs> you know, from the home center epoxy, like a five-minute epoxy, but maybe you can get like a 10-minute variety, something that gives you a little bit more time. Um, that's a thicker formulation. And that can work if this is kind of a one-off and you don't want to buy a gallon of epoxy. All right. It's Everybody's talking about – hold on. Everyone's talking about Mateo and Matt and he said yeah. so it's Cremona. He's named after Cremona. Here's the thing. The Matt thing, we knew that Mateo was uh, Spanish for Matt. Mm -hmm. But in both of our lives, you know how when it comes to people's names, sometimes all it takes – is some jerk you knew in college mm -hmm. that had that name for you to go, I will never name my child yeah. that thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Every Matt I have ever known or been friends with or had interactions with has been a great person. Yeah. I've never, honestly, to this day, have never met a Matt or Matthew that I didn't like. So it was one of those things where I don't, I didn't want to use the name Matthew, mm -hmm. but I wanted something that sounded good with our last My name. My cousin's name's Matt. He's <clears throat> so, a great guy. Yeah. So I think it, that's what it came down to was like neither one of us could think of a Matt that we didn't like. And in fact, we had several good friends mm -hmm. named Matt. Yep. So. Uh, it's 1030. We should probably Is wrap it? this show up. Yeah, I'm let's gonna, do it. I'm going to do a Gill Project Winder from the Patreon questions. Not all. They're, they're automatically entered if they put their uh, comment up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my random org selected Paul Gottlieb. 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 Sorry. Gottlieb. Sorry, Paul. Uh, so, Paul, I'm going to message you in Patreon to let you know what you need to do to claim your free guild project. Claim your prize. Claim your prize. Okay. All right. And if you are a Patreon subscriber, I'm going to put a link in the chat on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Uh so you can come hang out with us a little bit longer in the after show. And the after show is just kind of free for all. Mm -hmm. So it might be about woodworking. It might be about Dougie. Could fact, be about anything. I have a, a Could question. Could be about Matt. I have a question about Dougie. So I like the show titles that are coming in. No bad Matts. <laughs> no bad Matts. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you for watching, everybody. Yes. We're going to do the after show now. If you're a Patreon subscriber. Yep. Uh, there's a, a thing is embedded there for the after show. Um, it's not going to be a long break this time. We're just going to, I'm going to get a drink of water, mm -hmm. clear my throat, and then we'll jump right into it. And you made me feel better. Thank you. <laughs> yes.